0: Hey everyone, you're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you have not heard of us before, you can check us out at www.axecamis.org, or come check us out on a Sunday. All right, here is the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. So I uh, have—I've been punched in the face a couple times in my life. Um, Yeah, if you—if you count some boxing and stuff, probably more than a couple times. Um, but I've been punched in the face a couple times. It hurts. It doesn't feel good. Um, Seriously, my face used to be amazing. Uh, It was incredible. There's a lot of laughing. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I talk a lot. Uh, People have noticed that about me, and sometimes when I was younger especially, I would say things when I talked a lot that people did not like, and they would punch me in the face. Um, That happens sometimes. I I wish I could tell you that the lesson is I learned to talk less, but instead I became a lawyer. Um, and Because people rarely punch you in the face in the courtroom. And people, although they may want to, usually won't punch a lawyer because, you know, we're jerks and we would sue you. So um, keep that in mind if I say something to defend you today. Uh, the thing is, I would let my own anger or my desire for confrontation and my pride win the battle in my soul, between spirit and soul, and I would end up in a battle instead of being at peace with other people. Now, all that sort of changes when you become an adult only insofar um, as there's less face punching, right? Because you go to jail when you're an adult for punching people in the face. But it really doesn't change in the sense that anger and pride and confrontation lead to battles with people. And some of you, some of you may occasionally battle. Some of you younger folks may occasionally battle with your parents. My kids never did um, because they're perfect. But I've heard other people's kids do that. Um, I'm lying. My kids totally have have tried to battle with us. Uh, Some of you might battle with your spouse from time to time. Also, not me. I'm afraid of my wife, so I don't do any of that. No, even I, believe it or not, sometimes disagree with my wife until she helps me see that I'm wrong, and then I buy her flowers. Um, I'm just kidding. I don't buy flowers. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, let me tell you a flower story, because this is funny. A year or two ago, Tiffany, my wife, was working as a teacher in a school in Canvas. Um It was a difficult job, and I just wanted to brighten her day. Well, I wasn't in trouble, nothing like that. I just wanted to brighten her day, because I love her, so I bought her these flowers, and I had them sent to her school. And they deliver these flowers to her in her classroom. And the other teachers and the students and the staff are like, oh, that's so precious. Your husband's so nice. But here's the mistake I made. Not too far after that, once again, I wasn't in trouble. I just wanted to send her flowers again. It was only a couple days or a couple weeks or a few weeks later. I think it was a couple days, to be honest with you. Um, But I just wanted to like, no, you're getting more flowers. You're going to know that you're loved. I send her these flowers. Now, here's the thing. When you get flowers a second time, People react differently. So last time they were like, oh, that's so precious. This time they were like, oh, I'm sorry your husband's cheating on you. (laughs) They just assumed who would get flowers a couple times, right, twice in a row. So just a tip for you folks, send flowers once, people think you're nice, send flowers twice, you get a reputation. So don't don't do that. Uh, we, uh, We do battle with other people. We do battle with our bosses, with our husbands or our wives, with our kids or our friends. We are not always people of peace. We're not. But we are supposed to be because we serve and follow and are disciples of the Prince of Peace. We serve a God of peace, of shalom, of wholeness. And we are called to be peaceful, right? There's a message if you want to Get into sort of the word peace and what it means to Jesus being the, the Prince of Peace. We did a series a little while back called Who is Jesus? And there's one about Jesus and the Prince of Peace. You can find that on our website or on Vimeo or whatever if you want to kind of dig into what peace, what shalom is and what the Prince of Peace means. But we have been in a series of messages lately called Right Side Up. And it's called Right Side Up because D- Jesus is teaching us from his Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in Matthew 5 through 7. Um, and he's showing us what life in the kingdom of God looks like. What does it look like? And it looks upside down from the perspective of the world, but truly it's right side up. And so that's why the the messages are called right side up. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can pull those out. We're going to get into the word of God. We're going to be Matthew chapter five in verse nine. It's the next one of what they call the beatitudes, the blessings. And it says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. That's the word for this morning. Let's pray really quick. Father, I just pray that as we've taken in uh, your word, that you would help bring it out to us as we uh, think about what it means to be peacemakers, if we think about what it means to be called sons of God. uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just be in our heart, Lord, that that you would just protect this place spiritually, physically, that we would be uh, one together, learning from your word this morning, Lord, in your name, amen. So what's a peacemaker? Well... Peacemaker is a number of things. Let's dive into a few of those things. A peacemaker is, I think what most people think of it as, is a person who seeks peace personally with other people. A person who seeks peace personally with other people. Uh, This is the person who is not getting punched in the face a lot, right? The person who is avoiding a lot of confrontation, a lot of difficulty. A peacemaker is someone who wants peace, wholeness, shalom, with everyone that they can reasonably have peace with. Now, there are two directions that I notice. Uh, there may be more, but two directions that I notice people and myself failing at this, two ways that we sort of do it wrong. The first is the most obvious one. This is the, this is the one that kind of starts all the fights and the battles and the wars and the, and, and the arguments and whatever. And that is the confrontational person, being confrontational. This is where we let pride lead to anger, and anger lead to confrontation, and confrontation lead to battles with people. That's that side. In many ways, uh, this particular failure is actually celebrated in our culture, in many cultures, actually, kind of this, the fighter, the, the person that will mix it up, right? We sort of look up to that person at some level. You don't see many action movies where the main character is all about making peace with other people, Right? It's not John Wick, peaceful guy. You don't. That's not how it goes, right? Uh, hey, sir, I'm sorry if I'm offending you. Let's put our guns away. Let's get some coffee. No one wants to watch that movie right? It's just not that exciting. We, we like to see people mix it up. We watch cable news, some of us, and there's all these little boxes of little heads talking and yelling and arguing at each other, and, and, and it's not peaceful, right? We, we like to watch that kind of stuff. We like celebrities or, or politicians or whoever who tweet out uh, different stuff or who talk on the news or who, or who talk at their concerts or whatever it is and say things that they don't care what anybody thinks of them, and they don't care about PC culture, and they don't care if they offend anybody, and we kind of like the people mixing it up like that. People who intimidate or confront or poke at others to try to sort of start or to win a battle. That's celebrated by a lot of people. If you don't believe me, go to YouTube, go on there today, and just look up uh, so-and-so owns so-and-so. Like, there's all these videos about how Watch this Democrat own this Republican, or this Republican own this Democrat, or this atheist own this Christian, or this Christian own this atheist. The idea is that, you know, there's this video where they're just like giving it to the other person and whatever. And these videos are all over the place. We love to see the battle. We love to see the battle. And we're not supposed to necessarily revel in all of that, right? Because that kind of entertainment, which is what cable news and YouTube and all that, that's what it is. It's not about... Peacemaking, And we're called to be peacemakers. It's usually about being the toughest or the smartest person in the room, that type of thing. It's not always bad, but it certainly isn't peacemaking. We're supposed to be peacemakers. How do we do that in a world that loves confrontation? How do we do that in a world that loves angry rhetoric? Well, we start by backing up a couple lines in the Scripture to what Jesus just taught us uh, a couple weeks ago in, in the same chapter, Matthew 5, 7, blessed. Are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Well, what does mercy require? It requires a heart that understands how much mercy has been given in Jesus Christ. It's difficult to be merciful until you understand how much mercy you've received. You know, we have the story of the unjust servant, the wicked servant, who the the king forgives him this massive debt, billions of dollars, untold amount. He could never have paid it back. It's forgiven. And then he goes and chokes his buddy out for owing him 100 bucks, right? That's not mercy. We need to be the person who realizes what we've been given if we want to be merciful towards other people. And it's very difficult to be prideful or to yell and fight about your rights when you understand how much mercy has been shown to you. One of the reasons that we fight and battle, one of the reasons is because we're prideful. We care about our own rights. We care about what we think we deserve. So when our boss, or our parents, or our spouse, or our friends offend us, we want to fight. We want to start a battle. I'm not saying all of us or all the time, I'm just saying it happens, right? because they need to know that they were wrong. We're really doing them a service, right? We need to make sure that they understand that they were wrong, and they better not act that way again. We forget about being a peacemaker, and we enter the battle. This is what the Bible says about those who are prideful. It says, this is Proverbs 16 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, a lot of you probably don't use the word haughty a lot, um, But here's what it means. Here's a bunch of synonyms that I got, words that mean mean the same thing from uh, Microsoft Word yesterday. Here are the ones they gave me. Proud, arrogant, conceited, self-important, snooty, stuck up, puffed up, overconfident, self-aggrandizing, superior. That's what haughty means. Now, if this describes you, or if this describes anyone you're hanging out with or looking up to or anything like that, be careful, because Scripture does not lie. If that is you and that's a spirit that you have, destruction and a fall are coming. They're coming, right? Watch out. We don't usually, though, think of ourselves as prideful or having a haughty spirit when we're not being peacemakers or when we're in a battle. We usually just think of ourselves as right, right? You probably all have some friends or whatever uh, who are on the Internet or whatever who you are actually trying to be a peacemaker and so on, and they just, they just want to battle. They just want to battle, right? They kind of have that prideful, that haughty spirit. They they think that they're right, and they got to prove that they're right. And sometimes that's us, right? We often want to think of the other person as wrong, and we often are offended. But what is offending us? What is offending us in these personal battles with one another? Often, not all the time, often it's our pride. It's our self-importance. It's our feelings of rights and our feelings of what we deserve that are being offended a lot of the time. If we were merciful because we understood how much mercy we had received, we would not be as easily offended as we are a lot of the time. We might even get to the place where instead of being offended and being overly concerned with our rights, we actually started to get concerned with the other person and why they might be acting the way that they're acting. Why, why is he acting this way? And maybe instead of being offended, we might turn that around and start praying to God to show us how we can serve that person, how we can take that person who's made in God's image and likeness and help them grow closer to Jesus. That might be our reaction to offenses that come our way if we didn't have to be offended so much. And that person might grow closer to Jesus as a result. Now I'm going to read several verses from chapter 12 of Romans I just want us to check ourselves. This is the word of God. This is scripture. And I want to check ourselves, those that we're around, those that we celebrate, all of that stuff, the culture and so on, against the word of God. Okay? This is what the word of God says. This is Romans 12, 3, 10, 14, 16, and 18 through 21. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who was among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Giving preference, not about me, not about my rights, giving preference to one another. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. when we're mad at our parents or our spouse or our boss or our friends or whatever? is this how people are living when they're owning one another on YouTube? Is this how we're thinking before we push, publish or post on social media? Is this how the talking heads on the cable news are living and thinking? Is this how our politicians, our celebrities, those we look up to? Is this how they're living? it's not because the world is upside down. we got to see it for what it is. And Jesus is telling us how to live and walk right side up as a child of the kingdom of God. A person who has been made new in Christ should be growing. I know we're not already there yet, but should be growing to be living like the word tells us in the Sermon on the Mount and like the word tells us in these verses here in Romans chapter 12. Not, not, in the ways of the world, full of our own pride and our own haughtiness and our own rights and our own offenses. It's not who we're made to be. And we need to listen to what Jesus has been saying here. We need to be poor in spirit. Remember, that was the first one. Poor in spirit. Recognize that we have nothing without Jesus Christ. We need to be merciful, realizing how much mercy we've received. Then we will find being peacemakers with other people very natural because we're starting to become children of the kingdom of God. Now, you cannot always have peace. Let me be clear. But we can do what's in our ability to be peacemakers. Romans 12 we just read it. It says this. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, the word men here means People. Okay, not just men. Okay, some of you were like, well, I can probably live peacefully with all men, but that girl, mm-mm. People, okay, mankind, men, that's what it means. Um, you're supposed to live peaceably with all men. It means you've got to keep your side of the street clean. You've got to keep your side. That's all you can control. You can't control their side of the street. You can only control your side. When I was in college, I went to George Fox University. In My freshman year, I stayed in the dorm, which was about... I don't know, about this big, and there were two of us, um, and it was like you had to put your bed like this so you could walk through the center, and you pull it out at night and sleep like this far away from your snoring roommate, but here's the deal. My roommate was totally a mess. His side of the room just gross clothes, mildew growing on me. He wouldn't, he wouldn't wash his clothes. And he's got, like, cups from the cafeteria all over the place and food. And, and just, it's just a mess. He's just a total mess. All his stuff was everywhere. And I tried to keep my side. It was so small. I tried to keep it clean and tidy and organized and whatever. And I was hoping that if I just kept it clean and tidy and organized enough, that would start to rub off on him. It never did. Never did. I'm totally lying. I was the messy one. My roommate was the clean one. He does not like me. He did not ask to be roommates the next year. I don't even know if he came back to school. He was so upset. Um, it was a long time ago. We've got to keep our side clean, like I did not do in college. Uh, We've got to keep our side clean. As much as it depends on you live peaceably with all men. So you have to recognize what you have control over. You have control over your actions. You're Christ's disciple. You're responsible for him. It doesn't matter what the other person is doing doesn't matter. It matters what you do. If they're your enemy, you're supposed to love them, right? If they're your enemy and they're thirsty, you give them a drink, not a punch in the jaw, right? You can only control your side, but it's not like you'll always have peace with everyone. Sometimes you won't have peace because of your own pride or your own haughtiness or some other reason, but even without that, there will not always be peace. You may remember Jesus always was trying to make peace with sinners, make peace between them and God, get them to confess their sins, to repent, and to know God. But with the religious leaders that were oppressing the people, that were speaking lies, that were setting up uh, burdens on the people they could never meet, Jesus was not at peace with them. You may remember that he came into the temple and they're selling stuff, and they're taking advantage of the poor, and they're doing all this stuff, and he just starts, he makes a, a whip out of cores, he's just like, and he's throwing tables over, in action movie style, right? He's coming in there, and he's getting in people's faces, and he's like, get out. There was no peace in that. There was no peace in that, because he couldn't have peace with those who were destroying people. There's a time when confrontation must happen. When it must happen. Matthew Uh, 10, 34, and 35 says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. But I thought we were supposed to be peacemakers. Well, this is what he says, for I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Some of you are like, finally, my verse. I know why. My mother-in-law. That's not what this verse is about. That That problem you have with your mother-in-law is more likely to be about haughtiness and pride and probably not hers, but something to think about. Jesus is explaining this. He's explaining that he himself is alienating. He, as the son of God, as God in the flesh, as the one that came to redeem and save us, he himself is alienating. If you follow Jesus Christ, if you are his disciple, there are people who will not live at peace with you. If you love Jesus, if he is... First in your life, there are people who will refuse to live at peace with you. That's just the way it is. The next passage in the Sermon of the Mount that we'll hopefully get to next week, Lord willing, is actually talking about the blessings that come from being persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, if, we're, if he's talking about people being persecuted, then obviously there's not always Peace. As much of a peacemaker as you want to be, or you ought to be, it's not always peace. Peace will not always be the result for the Christ follower. But as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. It is this place, the place where others won't have peace with you as a Christ follower, that I see the place that we fail in the other direction. I said there were a couple directions. One is that confrontation, the anger, the pride, all those things that lead to battles. We want this, we want that, and we get in battles. But there's another side. The other side is that sometimes we fail to live righteously, not because we don't seek peace, but because we seek peace where there can be no peace for a Christ follower. Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we live in fear. Of other people. And sometimes we value a fake peace over truth and righteousness. Sometimes we act out of fear instead of out of meekness. If you were here several weeks ago when we talked about blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is confidence in Christ. There's no fear in it. There's no fear in meekness. Meekness is trusting God so much. Trusting God so much that you believe what the Holy Spirit revealed to us in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If you believe that, you have no fear. And you can act confidently, but sometimes we don't act in meekness. Sometimes we don't act like we believe this. And sometimes we make peace. And we trade truth for the comfort of just avoiding confrontation. There is a time to stand strong. There is a time not to give in. There is a time to speak the truth in love and in kindness, but speak the truth even though we know the consequences will not be peace. They will not be peace. Many Christians are now in this world giving in to that fear. Or they've just got a desire to be accepted by the world or the culture or other people. Many Christians are now willing to bend Scripture or to apologize for the word of God. And what it says. Because it doesn't fit into our current cultural moment. It doesn't fit with the way that the elite people of the culture and the enlightened people of the culture are living and thinking. And because their faith and scripture doesn't fit that, instead of standing strong on it, they just bend it and they twist it. So they can try to avoid confrontation and make peace where there should be no peace. God did not reveal his word to us so that it would fit in with what the culture and the world believe. Scripture, the Bible, has never fit in with what the culture and the world believe. That's why they see it as upside down, and we know that it's right side up. This is not about just the big moral issues of the day or whatever. Those are important, but this is just about truth and standing for the truth in general. Here's the deal. When we compromise on truth, when we twist Scripture and we do all that, people think we don't believe it. And if people think that we don't believe it, why would they ever believe it? You want to talk about Jesus, you want to talk about Scripture, you want to do whatever, but then when, when difficulty comes or when confrontation comes, you twist the Scripture or you ignore it or you do whatever, people are going to assume you do not believe it. And they're not going to want to believe it either. You will never be able to show the power of the gospel in your life if your life is a constant compromise of truth. Not happening. We cannot live in fear of the opinion of man. We cannot live in fear of the opinion of culture. Not everyone is going to like you, not everyone's going to like you. John 15, 20, Jesus says this. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. We cannot have peace by simply agreeing with everyone. That's neither reasonable nor honoring to God nor honoring to the people who you're agreeing with when they're wrong. G.K. Chesterton says this. He wrote this. There are two kinds of peacemakers in the modern world. Of course, this was 1906, but we'll consider it modern. And they are both a nuisance. The first peacemaker is the man who goes about saying that he agrees with everybody. The second peacemaker is the man who goes about saying that everybody agrees with him. It is ridiculous and unsustainable to agree with everyone. You can't sustain that doesn't work. Everyone is not correct. Not everyone is correct. Truth does not work like that. You are not a peacemaker by agreeing with everything the world and culture and your friends want you to agree with. That is not being a peacemaker. All you're doing when you do that, when you twist scripture, when you try to get along, when you, when you uh, compromise on issues of truth, all you're doing, you're not making peace. All you're doing is moving the battle from between you and culture, or you and your friend, or you and your kid, or you and your wife, or whoever it is, all you're doing is moving the battle from there to between you and God. You're not making peace. You're just making a much bigger enemy. Much better on the battle with the other person than you are in the battle with God. You ain't going to win that one. But when we compromise truth, we desecrate the Scripture by twisting it, bending it, so that we can get, be liked, get that Facebook like, or have people not think bad things about us, have people not look at us the wrong way, or whatever it is. When we do that, we are not making peace. You might be having a kind of fake peace with the person next to you, but you're now the person who you say you follow, Jesus Christ, you're now making a battle with him over his own word. Bad idea. Here's the deal. You cannot be a disciple of Christ and twist the Bible To agree with the world, can't do it. Here's an important thing to remember the Bible does not bend. It doesn't bend. You can break it, make it worthless for yourself, but you cannot bend it because it's truth. The truth is it doesn't bend or break, it doesn't do anything. It's just the truth. You have to take a stand for truth and you have to speak the truth in kindness, in love, in a winsome way but you've got to speak the truth. Don't seek peace where there is no peace for the Christ follower. Don't give up being a Christ follower to avoid confrontation. There are other ways of being a peacemaker as well, like being a peace between, making peace between other people, You know, not, not yourself and someone, but a couple of other people, like us lawyers do, suing people and causing losses, right? We try to make peace, but it doesn't make as much money. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, it's true, but I'm kidding about me wanting to do that. Um, but I don't really want to talk about that. We don't have enough time to get into, into that one. I, I do want to talk about one more important piece that we do, and that is the peace that we help make between other people and God. And There's a couple ways this works. One is uh, making peace between our brothers and sisters in Christ who have done something wrong, who have fallen, who have sinned, who have have gotten lost in sin a little bit, helping them to restore their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's one way that we help make peace. It says this in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. This is out of the ISV. It says, brothers, if a person is caught doing something wrong, those of you who are spiritual should restore that person gently. Watch out for yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Practice carrying each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of the Messiah. We should always gently and with love help our brothers and sisters in Christ to see when they are going the wrong way and to help them back. It's part of our peacemaker, peacemaker duties. Uh, We're supposed to help people to be at peace with God, but there are others in the world we can be a part of peacemaking with, of their coming to peace, to shalom, to wholeness with God. We can be peacemakers by spreading the gospel. There is nothing more peacemaker-ish, that's probably not a word, there's nothing that's more like being a peacemaker than spreading the gospel. Because here's the deal. I'm just going to get real with you. Those who have not confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's in charge, those who have not believed in their heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, do not have peace with God. Period. Period. They do not have peace with God. Those people are lost. They do not have hope in Jesus Christ. They are spiritually dead. That's what scripture says. Their sin has separated them from God, and they do not have peace with him. And if they continue to be rebels and enemies of God, they will end up separated from him forever in hell. Those are the facts. It might be more agreeable or less confrontational if I wouldn't talk about hell. It's not a fun topic. In fact, there are Christians. It's one of the things that Christians are, some Christians are compromising on. Well, there's not really hell. Everything's going to be okay. But that's not what Scripture says. And I cannot preach the word of God from a place of fear. Scripture doesn't preach that way. I'd have to bend it, and I'm not going to do that. The truth is that if you've not believed in the risen Lord Jesus Christ and become his disciple and follower, you do not have peace with God. And if you insist on rebelling against him, instead of accepting his free gift of salvation that he paid for for you on the cross with his precious blood, if you don't do that, then you will die and be separated from him in hell. That's the deal. You are an eternal person. You will either be with Jesus forever or be separated from him in hell forever. So the only choices. I know that there's a lot of other options that people talk about out there. Maybe we'll just take a dirt nap and we'll just, it'll be like we just went to sleep and we never woke up. <clears throat> it's not true. You're an eternal person. You're going one place or the other place. That's the way it is. That may sound very old school, but it's true. You're not coming back as a unicorn, okay? It's not happening, okay? You're going to be with Jesus and have peace and wholeness and shalom and hope and love and mercy and all the things that are wonderful, or you're going to have yourself and nothing else. Those are the facts. But they come with such good news. That's what the gospel is. It's good news for those who do not have peace with God. Very good news. It's the good news that Jesus died on a cross For you, for your sins, for your rebellious heart. And he rose again, defeating death and sin and hell. And he's offering you the way to him, the way to God. He loves you and he's shown you how much he loves you through his death and rising from the dead. He did this so that you could go from death to life because you were broken into a dying world, a broken world. It's broken because of a rebellion. If you can't see that, you are—you got your head in the sand. The world is broken. There's a reason why bad things are happening. It has to do with the will of human beings who have chosen to be rebels, who have chosen to do that which they ought not to do. And it's broken the world, but Jesus has offered us a way to himself. When he died on that cross and he rose again, he set things aright for those who would follow him so you can live in this broken world and yet at the same time be living in the kingdom of God. You can start eternal life now, today. It's not like, okay, I do this thing, I say this prayer, whatever, and then when I die, I get to go to heaven. It's not like that. Right now, today, you can start to be made new. You can have peace with God right now and you can live the rest of your life and the rest of eternity as one continuous thing of life in Christ. That's what peace with God looks like. That's what peace with God looks like. Those of you who love your lost and broken neighbors, family, friends, spouse, kids, parents who don't know Jesus, you'll be peacemakers by sharing the good news, by sharing the gospel of peace with God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Those of us who will be peacemakers, it says, will be blessed and will be called sons of God. Now, I've been called a son of a few things. Maybe you have too. The interesting thing, some of your translations may say children of God, but the the proper translation is probably son of God, and there's a reason for that. Because when we say son of a, fill in the blank, we're usually not talking about the person's mother or father, right? We're actually talking about them. It, It reflects on their character. If I say you're a son of a... Whatever, I don't know. I'm not thinking of any word. You guys might be. (laughs) Sinners, sinners. Anyway, if I said that, I'm being filmed, so I'm not gonna say it. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about your mama or your daddy. I'm talking about you. I'm saying you have a certain character. And if we say, if we're called sons of God, that's talking about you. It's saying you have a character that's like God. God is the ultimate peacemaker in sending his only begotten son to earth that whoever believes in him might have everlasting life. He is the ultimate peacemaker. So when you're acting as a peacemaker, you're acting like God, a son of God, a child of God. That's that's amazing (laughs) that you could be likened to the creator of the universe because we're mirroring his qualities and his character. That's who we need to be. And the way we do that, one of the most important ways we do that, is we lead people to know Jesus. We have peace with God, those of us who are Christ followers, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We should be sons of God, living out His character in the power of His Holy Spirit, day by day, giving up our pride, giving up our fear. Being meek, being merciful, making peace between ourselves and other people as much as it is in our power to do so. Making peace between other people when it's in our jurisdiction to do so. Leading others to peace with God through gentle correction of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have fallen into some sin. But leading others to peace with God who don't know him by preaching and proclaiming the gospel and what God has done for us. You have a story, Christ follower. I know a lot of your stories, and they're good stories. Are you letting other people know those stories? Are you letting other people know what God has done for you? Is that what's important in your life as you're going through your day? Are you thinking about the fact that there are people who are separated from God, who are dead spiritually, who are, if that doesn't change, are going to end up in hell? For eternity, are you thinking about that and are you telling them your story? Because you have an amazing story of what God has done for you. The gospel of peace is amazing. We are to be peacemakers. That means we are to be out there with the gospel of peace. Peace with God. We've got to preach it. We've got to proclaim it. What has God done for you? Tell people about it. There is no more powerful message to a lost and hopeless person than there is hope but there is hope for peace with God and eternal life that can start today, that can start right now. I don't want to see another young person or older person or anybody else commit suicide, which seems to be becoming a large problem again. And why does it happen? Well, it's an indication that people have lost hope. The world's not going to give it to them. You think that naturalistic scientism is going to give anybody hope? Hey, there's no God and the universe is just running and you don't mean anything. Oh, that's awesome. Let's write a song about it. No. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world because we are the ones who are proclaiming Jesus. That means we don't compromise, and that means we speak and preach the gospel. That's your job. It's not just my job up here on a stage on Sunday mornings. It's your job every day, every minute of your life with those who are in your life, who God has put there, to be a peacemaker between them and God. Let him use you that way. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him, today's the day. Today's the day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a God of peace. Thank you for allowing us to be peacemakers. Thank you that even though we were rebels, even though we were far from you, you we willing to die for us. God, we struggle sometimes with our friends, with our family, with our bosses, our coworkers, whoever, living at peace. I pray that you would help us to not have those battles if they're based on our pride, if they're based on our arrogance or our self-importance or, or our rights, but rather that we would learn to Live at peace with others as much as it depends on us. God, I pray that you would draw people this morning to yourself. That if there are those who don't know you, that they would come to know you. God, you are so good to us. You truly are the Prince of Peace. I pray you would show us, show us this week how we can be peacemakers how we can show people your peace, how we can show people what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And I pray, God, that there would be many that would come into this building, that would come to know you, that would be baptized, that would learn to do all that you've commanded and live that eternal life starting now. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.